0: Hello and welcome to Broads You Should Know, the podcast about amazing and noteworthy women from history. I'm your host, Sarah Gorski. And this week, I am not bringing you a new broad, and I'm not replaying an old broad, and I am not doing a broadly speaking. I'm trying something new. I'm going to try something I'm going to call the Broads You Should Know State of the Union. I want to just talk about life the last couple weeks. And I want to talk about what's coming next on the podcast and get you guys excited about what is coming down the pipeline here. Um, I'm calling it the State of the Union. I'm so inspired by, first of all, the Barbie movie. If you haven't seen it, please go see it. Um, and Barbie teaches us that any woman can be president, um, even though one has not in the United States yet. Um, so here is my, broads you should know, State of the Union. Um, First of all, I was a little dishonest just a few seconds ago when I said I just wanted to bring you the State of the Union. The truth is, things have been crazy in 2023 so far. I don't know about you guys, but my clients with my freelancing and all of the producing work I've been doing on an upcoming film, all this stuff has just all been a little bit nuts. There's kind of like a a feverish tone to everything this year so far. And it has kept me crazy busy all year. Uh, And it culminated in what I thought was the end of the rush of everything ended up becoming actually my jury duty service. And so the last week and a half, I was wrapped up in that. Um, And so I am grossly behind on all of these podcast episodes that I have in the works for you guys. Um, So... I just didn't have time to finish them enough to be able to play them today, but I want to give you like a little preview of what we have coming down the road. First of all, I am putting together a Barbie roundtable, which is going to be an episode talking about the new Barbie movie. Again, if you haven't seen it, please go see it, even if you're a man. In fact, especially if you're a man, um, I I don't think that men who like this podcast would actually be offended by Barbie. I think the only men being offended by Barbie right now are um, the ones who just are, like, really insecure about their own masculinity and all that shit. So go see Barbie. It's so hilarious for both men and for women. Gosling is so funny. Um, Anyway, but we're going to do a little bit of roundtable. We're going to bring together a couple of our previous favorite guests from this podcast to talk about the Barbie movie and to talk about... The message of the Barbie movie and what it did for us and how it made us feel and laugh and cry, all the other, all the things about Barbie. We are going to talk about that together. So Barbie Roundtable coming up. Then I'm also working on an episode about Ruth Handler. She is, was the inventor of Barbie and founder and first president of Mattel, and her story is super interesting, um, filled with a little bit of controversy, which might, you know, pique your interest. So if if you just need to come for the controversy, come for the controversy, but her story is really interesting. I have also been cooking up a a collaboration with a very esteemed author uh, about the true story of Oppenheimer and Los Alamos, uh, which was the town that Oppenheimer tested his bombs in, uh, and specifically the broad who has been fighting for the rights of the indigenous folks who had their land and livelihoods stolen by the U.S. government by uh, so that Oppenheimer could test his nuclear bomb. So surprise, the spoiler for that episode is that That was not an uninhabited area, quote, uninhabited area. Um, Indigenous people were living there. Um, And I have been connecting with um, a woman whose family is from there. She's from there. Um, And she is going to help bring us that story. Hopefully, fingers crossed if everything else um, goes well with this collaboration. So very excited to hear that true story. And it seems appropriate lined up here. You know, it's our own little Barbenheimer, if you will. Um, and then I'm also cooking up an episode for you on Elizabeth Packard. I think I've said her name a few times on this podcast. She's actually the broad who kind of inspired um, this, the the crazy women series we did earlier in this year. Um, and she is a very interesting woman as well from the 1800s. And her husband commits her to an insane asylum because she's ornery and doesn't listen to him or argues with him doesn't believe the things he believes her story is also really interesting not just about uh, her time in the asylum but also what she did after it super fascinating i'm actually reading a book on it right now but i haven't finished it yet so as soon as i'm done with it an episode is coming your way and i hope you're really excited about that episode because i think it's going to be a really good one Um, and then um, that brings us kind of through probably the end of the summer and in the fall Uh, We are going to dig into another little mini-series I'm putting together. And this time, we're going to be looking at women they called witches. Super excited. I have been working on this episode, at least mentally, um, since I visited Salem uh, last year. And that's going to be a part of the mini-series. But very excited to dig into some, some witchy women. So I'm excited to bring you all of these things coming in the next couple of months. It's going to be great. Um, I also just want to talk like, what's the point of having a podcast if you can't share some of the intense experiences, especially if you are a podcast that prides itself in being social justice related and equality related and adjacent. Um, and when you experience something in your life that that throws um, lots of questions Related to those things in balance, I feel like this is my opportunity to kind of talk about my my jury duty experience. Um, so, you know, you can if you're not interested in that, you can turn off this episode. <laughs> but, um, man, what? A crazy experience. You know, ever since I was a girl and read like 12 Angry Men, um, I was always like, oh, it would be so great to be on a jury and to hear the evidence. And, you know, I think that I would be a great juror. And I would have, you know, good opinions based on solid evidence and it, I would be able to contribute to society. And I've had this like like low key fantasy about like what that experience would be like for me. Right. Right. Um, so about one and a half months ago, when I got my jury summoned, uh, uh, the jury summons that they send you in the mail, that's like, Hey, you might be on a jury this particular week. So call in this night. I was really excited to get the summons. Um, I got it, uh, right before the pandemic, I got a summons as well. And I went and I sat in this little room for like four days. It was basically like a holding pen that had Wi-Fi, and they never called me in to be selected. And so I just kind of sat there every day and worked on work regular day job work. Um, and then I went home and I never served. But this time, um, when I got there, they told us that in Los Angeles, at least post pandemic, everything has changed. And now when you get called in, there's no holding pen. You just go right into selection. Um, so they call my name and I'm juror number one for the first batch of the day. Uh, and, They bring us into the courtroom and we we begin what's called jury selection. So pardon me if you already know all of these things. I didn't know these things. I think they're useful things to know. So you go into jury selection um, and they go through the jurors one by one, basically trying trying to figure out um, if any jurors are going to be dismissed um, either because of conflicts that are unavoidable um, or, you know... uh, because of biases they may have. They have us, part part of the jury selection process, they have us um, go through this list of questions and answer them out loud. Um, and so based on the way you answer the questions, it can become really clear, like, oh, that person is pretty biased, you know, against the police or against minorities or against, you know, uh, they, they ask kind of leading questions in that way. Um, and uh, so I went through the selection process and I did not get dismissed. They selected me, Um, which actually kind of surprised me uh, because they were very curious to hear about how I have a couple family members that were in law enforcement because this case did, it was a criminal case um, and it did um, involve some police officers. So they wanted to make sure we weren't particularly biased for or against police officers. Um, So, we weren't supposed to talk about the case the whole time it was happening, which was like absolute torture for me because talking these things out loud and talking through things like always really helps me process things. So it was a really isolating, um, week and a half. Um, now that it's over, I can talk about it really freely. I'm not going to use anybody's names though. Um, for the privacy of the, um, for the privacy of the people involved. But this case was a DUI case. Um, and I, I'll just save you the suspense um, that we ruled guilty on the case as a jury. You have to, as a jury, you have to all come to an agreement, either guilty or not guilty, um, or else it's a hung jury, which is a terrible, terrible term. Um, I submit that we should change that term. Um, And then uh, in the case of a hung jury, which is basically an undecided or a a split jury, what they do is they just bring in a new jury and they start the case all over again and bring in the witnesses all over again and do it all over again. Um so a DUI case like seems like it would be really upfront, right? And it seems like it would be something that re- it would be really easy to rule on. Um especially because the the um defendant had blown breathalyzer tests and the and the breathalyzer results were pretty damning, right? Um but here's the thing, and here's the reason that I am kind of fucked up from this case. Um, this person was pulled over. Um, I guess I'll just say he, cause I don't think I can stop myself from, uh, saying he, uh, he was pulled over by the police who f- had been following him for 90 seconds because of a broken taillight. And this gentleman pulls into his driveway, driveway, he's home. And then the police begin, quote, begin their DUI investigation, which means they ask him a question and they start to give him the field sobriety test. And then at the end of all those things, they give him the breathalyzer, all of those things, which also he could have said no to, um, but I, I think he just didn't know to. Um, and, and this man, I should also say, like, he, he is, I live in Los Angeles and um, he lives in Los Angeles. We all live in Los Angeles. This is a Los Angeles County case. And, um, he is a a minority and he did not speak English. He spoke only Spanish. Um, and it was a broken taillight and he pulled into his own driveway when they start the investigation. And then when they do this quote field investigation, um, they give him all these tests. Um, and they are one of the officers who's like the head DUI tester guy, does not speak Spanish, but his partner, um, they're two motorcycle cops, his partner does speak some Spanish, I guess. Um, I wasn't clear if he was super fluent or just spoke some, but uh, as we can see, like, in the translation that's given to us, there's, like, a transcript so we can see the translation of the Spanish. Um, it's, like, really clear that the the instructions on the tests are all, like, half-translated, and they also call this man a pendejo. Um, and for those of you who don't speak Spanish, pendejo means idiot, stupid. It's like calling somebody stupid. And it just is so, so obvious in the course of the evidence and watching the videos for this case, all the, all the evidence we see and the witnesses we hear, it's just like really fucking clear that this was a case of, of racial discrimination. That like he was pulled over for a tail light, and because he looked Mexican, and he was Mexican, and and it is, it was like I, you know, we, we're hearing this evidence, and we get to the jury room. And like, we're not allowed to talk. Jury's not allowed to talk at all until deliberations begin. So after the evidence has all been presented and the lawyers do their closing arguments, then only then can can we begin for the very first time to talk about this case together. Um, And from the get go, like everybody in the room acknowledged like, well, this guy, this is like racial profiling. Like this guy was pulled over. Like if he was a white boy in a BMW, this would not have happened. He was already home when he was pulled over. Um, And yet like the, the legal system is, it doesn't allow the jury to, to do anything except consider the charge, the exact charges that are being pressed uh, and, and, and so we can't even like call the judge and say this is this is they had no reasonable cause to search him and to investigate him. This case is is void or whatever. We can't say that. Like all that we can do is is we can say here were the two charges brought against this guy. Did the, the prosecutor prove beyond a reasonable doubt is their favorite term that those charges that, that the defendant is guilty and if there is a reasonable doubt then it's you have to vote not guilty but there's no space to to question that fucking shit and i feel so mixed about it and and obviously like other jurors and i'm sure this is true maybe of listener you listeners too like we all have different backgrounds and we all have different beliefs in what's right and what's wrong and what's good and what's bad and, and all this shit. And, you know, in this particular case, like it was obvious that some of the jurors think that even having like a sip of alcohol and driving is wrong. And our country doesn't say that that's true. The, our country says it's wrong if you, you know, are beyond a certain limit, right? A blood alcohol limit. And, and yet these other people were, were casting such judgment that he even had drunk and drive at all. And, and, you know, I'm a person who has a beer and drives um, and have done that before and things have been fine. And <sighs> it was really difficult to have those discussions with people when we all come from such different angles and different belief systems and different. Um... Yeah. And And even though I felt like my fellow jurors saw this racial profiling, they weren't they weren't willing enough to to kind of try to go with me down a pathway that I felt like we could... I, there were two charges, and one of them was for driving under the influence, and one of them was for driving with a blood alcohol up, um, at or above 0.08%. And so the under the influence is, it's like kind of a vague description. And what does that mean? And And was the, you know, the way he was driving unsafe is like a part of it. That's not the legal, I don't have the language in front of me we read it 500 times in that room but um I felt like there was some leeway with that and I felt like the field sobriety tests weren't done well and they they were done by racist cops and I was like you know what I don't I think that we you know could go not guilty on that charge because I don't think that the prosecutor proved that to me and I really held my ground for a really 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 long time um we deliberated we started deliberations um Uh, basically right after lunch on Friday and we did not finish. And so we came back on Monday and we deliberated all day. Um, And a lot of it was me. I like, especially on Monday, I was that person that was holding out. Um, And it got to this point where like, I was like, Oh God, I could feel it all sliding. I could feel it all sliding away from me. And like the possibility of, of at least like doing the only form of justice we could do, which was to find the holes in the prosecutor's case and at least get this guy off of one of the charges, not two, because we couldn't get him off. I couldn't figure out how to get him out of the second charge because his breath tests were too da- were too damning, and you can't really fight science, because um, science is science. Science is facts, right? Um, so I fought and I fought for this guy, and and at the end of the day, I I just could like I I just couldn't see a, a way to get everyone over to my side, and I also couldn't even see the benefit of the hung jury. And I, like at the end, I I changed and, and we did guilty. And I, you know, as we were arguing and arguing, I just like, I couldn't even help it. I was like fucking sobbing in the jury room. And I just told my fellow jurors, I was like, this does not feel like justice. Like we are here as a jury to bring justice to this room and all that's brought against this man is injustice and racial profiling is like the shining, shiningest example of injustice, right? And it was really rough. Um, And I, you know, you guys know me, I cry on this podcast half the time and I, so I cried in deliberations and then I cried as we were reading out the fucking the fucking finding of guilty. And then, of course, you know, they made each of us go around one at a time and verify that our our vote was in fact guilty, which felt like torture to me. And I was crying through the whole thing of it. And and then on the way home, I called my mom and I told her all about it because it was the first time I could talk to anybody about it. And I just still feel messed up from it. I feel like my faith um, in the system, like the fact that that case even went through and even got to us, doesn't make any sense to me. And, um, yeah, I don't know. So, you know, I know I, I guess I, 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 I don't know. I appreciate you guys. If you're still listening, hanging in here with me. Cause obviously my thoughts are like still gelling on it. Um, but I felt like I wanted to like share that story with you guys because we talk a lot about justice and law and the laws that were made against, you know, the women on this podcast and how things went down. And we always think, oh, well, we're, we're, more sophisticated now. We don't like have these same issues anymore. We can't commit a woman because her husband doesn't like her. Like, but it's just not fucking true. Like our system is still really not working very well. And, um, my only comfort, well, two comforts, um, I think my two comforts is, is that even though my other jurors, I couldn't come around to my way of thinking, I did have a few of them tell tell me that they were really impressed at at me and the ground I held and the arguments I made. Um, Secretly, I'm hoping that they go home to their significant others and get yelled at for making the wrong choice, although that's obviously just probably a fantasy that probably didn't happen, but... Um, my other comfort is, is from one of my friends who happens to work for the DA, not on this particular case, um, but she works for the district attorney, and she said that this, this man's punishment probably won't be too severe and that he'll likely be able to do some classes and, and things and eventually get his record expunged. And I do really hope, you know, I really hope that's it, and I really hope he doesn't, like, lose his license and his job and his livelihood Um, Because that is like, as I, you know, watch that man sitting there at the table, that's all I could think about is how much this, this would affect him. Um, So that is my jury duty experience. Um, And now you know why I've been like absent for two weeks from the podcast (laughs) Um, and, and why I'm just like having trouble getting my shit together to, to finish these huge lineups of things that I have kind of in the works here. So hopefully that sheds a little light into kind of my life and my experience and stuff like that. Um, I, I hope that you're excited about all the stuff I talked at at the beginning of the episode. That was a terrible segue. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna roll with it. <laughs> but, um, I, I hope that all the stuff we have coming down the pipeline keeps you wanting more and keeps you coming back every week. Um, and keeps you spreading the word about us. It's hard to podcast alone. I'm not going to lie. I feel like I've mentioned that a few times, but since um, Chloe and Sam stepped away I'm I'm doing this by myself and it's not very easy it's really hard um, but I believe in the mission and I believe in you guys and I believe it in these stories and in these women and that their stories need to be told and I am sticking to it the best I can um, and But I appreciate it when uh, <laughs> I have something that takes me uh, away for cu- a couple weeks and sets me behind in all of my, all of my big plans for the podcast. Um, so I appreciate your patience and your grace. And I am super excited to bring you the Barbie Roundtable next week um, and all I have lined up behind that. So thanks, as always, for listening. Um, and we will see you next week for another Broad You Should Know.